we'll do some welcomes at the end as well. But uh, let me just say, uh, this week, uh, the Bible Alive series starts on Tuesday. Uh, that's on the seven churches of Revelations. I suggest that you do it. So uh, uh, you can register. Go to our, our website, and you can just click on there, and it will take you to the link. You can register. And our website's really starting to look great. It's, you know, it takes time to revamp, so it's really looking great. And uh, so go there. And then, then Wednesday night is new members orientation. Very important. You know, um, uh, it's not a club, but, but you, you know, it is important that you understand what we believe and where we're going and what our heart is and what our vision is as a church. So that's Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Amen. And you can register as well on the website. And then the School of Prophetic, which is the first weekend in, uh, in uh, March. You don't want to miss that. You know, it's important that we learn to see and understand things. You know, the challenge that we live with today is that people don't understand prophetic things. They really don't. Um, there's a saying that says, in the, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So if you want to you wanna get ahead, you need to learn to see. Amen. If you can see further than other people, and that's a prophetic spirit as the church, as God's child. That's so important. So it's learning those things. Amen. And so um, I want to encourage you to be on that. And the slots are filling up very quickly. So don't miss out. And then um, I'm going to ask uh, my wife to come up. And then I'm going to ask Steve to come up. And then I'm going to ask Patty and Sonia just to come up as well, please. Or Patty easier. Um, so... So what we're doing this morning is we are going to be praying over Steve, Stephen, Douglas, Stephen John Douglas. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> understand yeah. So so I remember, you know, just sitting there one night when Steve first came to the church. God really did a work in his life. And um, just incredible, just really recommitting to Christ, doing something incredible. And, um, you know, he's been, he's been in Bible school. He's really applied himself. But, you know, as I often say to people, because people often ask me, well, if I have this, uh, this certificate now, what will it make me? I said, well, just make you a person with a certificate. That's all it makes you. Amen. Because ministry is in you. Ministry is what you do. It's not what... And whilst we thank God for all the studies as I have done and my wife has and many people, that's great. But that doesn't make you anything. What makes you something is that you actually do the work of the ministry. So, um, so this morning, and so Steve has shown himself faithful over, over the last while. He's really an incredible man. He's a real pastor, teacher. He really loves people. Great organizer, incredible. He's an absolute blessing to us in, in the church and in the office. So, uh, so Steve, we want to just say thank God for you. We thank God for your life. We thank God that in spite of all the, the, the challenges that you've gone through, even now um, with your health, you are faithful to God. You are an incredible person. And I know that God has got something amazing as He already is doing it now. But, but you know, the end of the day, it's that we stand before God one day and He says, well done, my good and my faithful servant. That's the greatest accolade we could ever have. And um, I know that you're one of those servants who love people, who serve people, who, who uh, you have got your finger on the pulse, and um, you're just an incredible man, and we really love you. And uh, was His birthday the other day, so... Um, there we go. 
um, on, the, on the day of emancipation, emancipation day prayer, the 31st. So, uh, Steve, as we lay hands upon you, as they did right throughout the Old Testament, God said to, jo- to, to Moses, lay your hand upon Joshua and give him some of your authority. So there's an impartation. Laying on of hands in the Bible is, is, a, is part of the first foundation doctrines, very important. And there's a release that takes place. As Timothy, when, 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 Paul, when, they, when the elders laid hands upon them, there was an impartation of gifting. So I know that as we lay hands upon you this morning, there is going to be a greater release of what you've ever experienced. You will just see things will happen. God will give you supernatural wisdom. He'll give you insight into things more than you've ever had. Uh, you'll, you'll, and thank God you already have my sense of humor. So, uh, uh, um, so uh, it helps, yes. Amen. So, uh, so as we lay hands upon you, expect God to do great things. But, but this is a result of faithfulness. You're a faithful man. And I know that God will anoint you in even greater degree as you go ahead, as you move on, not from here, you're not moving on from here, but as you step in, amen, as you step in, as you step in to the purpose of God, you will see God's explosion in your life. So let's just stretch out our hands to to Steve and we'll call him pastor, amen, Father, we just bring Steve, before you right now, as we lay our hands upon him together, Father, as we lay hands as you instructed us, Father, we release gifting upon him as we ordain him in the sight of the people and of you. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you for a fresh anointing. We thank you for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit that will come upon him. We thank you, God, that he will see things that he never thought possible, that you will show him things that he's never seen before. I thank you, Father, that you give him a a steady hand as he leads sheep, as he works with people, that you give him the hand of a shepherd and the voice of the shepherd, the mouth of the shepherd. I thank you for that, Father, that as he as he works with people, that the shepherd anointing will bring deliverance and rescue the sheep, rescue so many people. Father, and we thank you for that. Thank you in Jesus' name. As we stand together, as we agree as a church, as we agree in the sight of the congregation, we release us that where two or three agree concerning anything, it shall be done. And we thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. You want to say something? <laughs> to, my, to my family who, who are watching from New Zealand, to my family sitting here right now, to my friends online, I just want to say that that this has become about because of you guys. Yeah, when I was 11 years old, God put on my heart that I, that I was going to be a pastor, a priest. I wanted to be a priest as a, at the age of 11. So 45 years later, I become a pastor. And this is the greatest crowning of my life because this is me stepping into my father's work, which I wanted to do for so long. And you guys make all of this possible. And I want to just say thank you so much. 
Thank you for your prayers. Thank you. And you, most of you know that I'm going through a health challenge at the moment, but God is my light, and now will, you know, and your prayers are lighting up the way for me, so I have no fear, and I'll walk boldly in Psalm 23, because the Lord is my shepherd. So uh, thank you very much. And Pastor Clive, Pastor Sharon, I just want to say thank you very much, because, um, yeah, this has been an incredible, amazing journey, and thank you for your guidance and your teaching, and to be able to come alongside you and learn from you has been an incredible, so I'm looking forward to the next 50 years. <laughs> oh, I tell you, God is good, isn't he? Amen. We really love Steve. Steve's an amazing, amazing man. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this. Hallelujah. So let's, let's continue this morning. Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1. And um, it says, Isaiah the prophet speaking, really speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Who has believed our report? Let's throw the scriptures up. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Is it up? No, it's not. Okay, can somebody let, just let the media know that I am here. Amen. Isaiah 53 verse 1. To whom? Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And you know, that, that's, that's a question that we all need to ask. Is that who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, you know, ultimately what it's saying is that who would have thought that God's saving power would look like this? Who would have thought that God's saving power would come in a form of a seed and become the Lord Jesus Christ? Who would have thought this is how God would save the world? This is how God would save our lives. That's why the Scripture says, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report that perhaps His power and deliverance comes in a way that is foolishness to us and perhaps too simplistic? And you know, that's why we need to focus on Jesus and Him crucified, boast in Him alone, in His grace and His mercy and truth. And you know, sometimes it may seem too simple that how can we just pray and things change? How can we just simply believe and my life is changed? That's why He says, who has believed our report? And who would have thought that God would display His strength in this manner. Who would have thought that? Because whilst the, 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 the Jews were waiting for a deliverer, a Savior, who they thought would come and overthrow the Roman Empire, they were waiting for a champion like that. They were waiting for a David who would come and physically slay a Goliath. But it never happened like that. But ultimately, the church as it grew did bring about the demise of the Roman Empire. Why? Through righteousness, through salvation, through deliverance, through changing society, through praying, through believing that stuff could change. Amen. That's the church. And sometimes it's too simple for people. You know, it was the removal of God's Word to the nations that brought about the Dark Ages. But it was the revealing of God's Word in the 1500s and access to, the God, to God's Word that brought about the Renaissance. Simply God's Word. You see, when we, when we hide God's Word away, 
We hide the light away. When we hide God's Word away, we're hiding the answer away. That's why we have to simply come back to who Jesus is and what He does and the power that resides inside the church, inside the Christian, that where two or three agree concerning anything, it shall be done. That the power that resides in the church, that the people who turn the world upside down have come here as well. That's the power that the church carries. Amen. And so we need to get back to the fo- our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and shine the light and the darkness will flee. Come on, somebody say amen. Numbers chapter 13 verse 30 says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You know why? Because the people were complaining. People, the the masses were complaining. And Caleb and Joshua say, no, no, hold on, hold on. Let's do this now. Let's go up and take possession, for we are well able to overcome. We are well able to possess. But what happens in verse 31? It says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Now listen, yes, important thing. So they say, Joshua and Caleb, let us go up, for we are well able to overcome. The other ten spies say, No, we are not able to go up because they are stronger than we. And were they wrong when they said that they are stronger than us? No. They were 100% correct in the natural. So bring me down a bit on my monitors, please. They were 100% correct in the natural. They were stronger. They were superior. But that's not what God looks at. That's why we got to ask ourselves, whose report will we believe? So when we, when we live in a nation that we know there are severe challenges right now, whose report are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the report of the Lord? Are we going to see that God's way of salvation can radically shift this nation and it will shift this nation if we don't back off and keep quiet and side with those who say, oh, well, let's just submit to the narrative. No, we're not going to submit to the narrative. We believe that God has got us here for a time such as this. Whose report will you believe? And in the natural, they were stronger. Because ultimately, look what happens in in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. It says, this is what God says. It says, "Then then the Lord your God brings you to the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gigazites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. You see, here's the point, is that when God brings you to a place, it's always bigger than you. So the challenges we face are bigger than us. The challenges we face and the forces we face in the natural are far superior to the church without God. That's why we have to always come back. Whose report will I believe? God says, I'm taking you into a place, because you can read the the whole story there, that God said, I'm taking you to the land to face nations greater and mightier than you. Whoopie doo, right? How are you gonna feel when you've got your wife and your five kids? And God says, I'm sending you to that place, and those guys are huge. 
They're actually stronger than you and they're actually bigger than you. Please go. Right? I think we've got to understand this. So sometimes we look at and say, well, God's with us. No, God's with you, but God wants you to take on things that are far bigger than you. That's the calling of the church. That's the calling of the church because it's in that that He demonstrates His power. It's in that that He demonstrates who He is. The future is always bigger than us, always. The things that we face in this nation are always bigger than us. The fight is, and that's okay because God wants it like that. Amen. Because God, eventually we will say God has brought about deliverance and not us. God has worked through us. You know, we can talk about current affairs, and I don't know if I should, but, uh, but you know, because um, sometimes I feel I want to, and there's like these things burn within me, then I think, okay, let me just know. But you know, th- there are some big things, and there are some big things that have happened this week in this nation that we just cannot ignore. There's an elephant in the room, and if you think you can ignore it, it then, then you, you're on the wrong planet. Uh, you, if we think the church can just ignore these things, uh, we're on the wrong planet. If we don't understand what's happening, I'll tell you what right now. Amen? So, 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 um, you know, the fact is that, that we had this religious discrimination bill, which should have been actually a religious freedom bill, that, we, that the church has been working with politicians for, for years. I worked on it personally with people, but I, I knew last year, and I said it last year to the church. I said it many times, pray for us, because we're working with these politicians. But I already knew then, I already knew then that they were not going to do this. I already knew then. Because sometimes I went to some of these politician senators who are federal senators and they would just, they see me come and I say, excuse me, uh, 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 you know, I've sent five emails to you, uh, but nobody wants to answer me. So what's happening with us? I don't know, we'll get back to you. Knew exactly what they were going to do. So if you think that it's going to come about without the involvement of church praying and church seeking God and actually dealing with things and being strong in the Lord and in the the, the power of His might, we are mistaken. Amen. I don't fear anything. Amen. Oh, it gets very quiet when you talk about these things. But let me just help us very nicely. If we... We are not just fighting, and I've said this often in the church. This is for generations to come. We stand for our children as well. We stand for our right to preach the gospel. Now, sure, if they say you cannot preach the gospel, I'm still going to preach the gospel. And if you want to lock me up, that's okay, because there's a lot of people who need Jesus in the jail. Amen. Amen. And that's okay. Amen. So, we have, we have issues, and we need to ask God, and this is, I really believe, yes, two prayers we need to pray. God, give us revival or give us persecution. <laughs> Those are the only two options open to the church right now, revival or persecution. Revival or persecution. 
Because if we think we're going to change the laws of the land without revival, it's not going to happen. Amen. But sometimes revival comes in persecution. But I, I know what my prayer is. I don't want to go through persecution. I want revival now. Amen. And I think God is starting to ring the bell and say, come on now. Come on now. Come on. Come on. Come on. The church is not the same as the world. The church brings revival. The church is the instrument of revival. Whose report will you believe? Either we're going to stand up and say, we be well able, or you're going to directly oppose God and say, we be not able, and as a result, go 40 years in the wilderness and die off until God raises up another generation. But I make a commitment that we will not be that generation that will die off and God uses another generation. I believe that this is the generation that God wants to use in this day, this hour, this time. So we're going to have to pray that, Lord, give me, give us revival like John Knox, the great revivalist, prayed, give me Scotland or I die. That's got to be our prayer. Lord, give us Australia or we die. Give us Perth or we die. Give us WA or we die. That's got to be the prayer of the church. That's got to be our heartfelt prayer because we are praying not just for ourselves. We are praying for our, the, the, the future generations. Amen. And if we're not willing to pay the price for revival, then we pay the price in a harsher measure through persecution. And I know what I'm praying for. We be well able. We are not able. Either way, who will you follow? And sadly, here's the problem. Sadly, when these guys stood up, Joshua and Caleb, and said, let us go up, uh, for we be well able. Uh, and the, the other 10 guys said, no, we be not able. Sadly, the majority followed the latter that said, we be not able. The crowd, and I want to say this nicely, the crowd does not determine your faith. It does not determine your destiny. It does not determine your calling. The majority does not determine that. What determines that is your faith in God, with the spirit of revival that we carry on the inside of us, we be well able. And it's the same in your business. It's the same in your family. It's the same with your health. I be well able because God is with me. Amen. It doesn't matter what people say. It's what God says. Amen. Two, two yes votes and ten no votes. Who was right? Mm. Who did the majority believe? Well, in this case, it was a... Uh, 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 a couple of years back, the no vote and the yes vote. Okay. But you understand how the majority goes. Yeah, yeah, is what we have to understand. Majority of people under Moses came out of slavery in Egypt, but they wanted to go back because their comfort zone was challenged. You know how their comfort zone was challenged? Because they, they, you can read it in the Bible, they didn't have garlic and onions. <laughs> so they forgot all about the slavery because their flesh wanted garlic and onions. Amen. So let me make it very relevant. They were willing to give up their freedom for garlic and onions. Amen. Now, this is not about whether you've had a jab or not at all. But are we okay with other people losing their freedoms so that we can have lunch at the restaurant? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Not at all. And I don't care what people say. I'm not. 
none of us are. And thank goodness that we have a church. We don't fight about things. We understand what we are fighting. We understand the demonic realm that we are dealing with. Amen. But that only comes, the defeat of that demonic realm comes through a simple thing, through us saying yes, through us preaching the gospel, to us saying, yes, God, we be well able. We be well able to overcome. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's the reality. Last week, Sunday morning, quickly, last week, Sunday morning, our South Church had to make a quick decision. My, uh, David, my son, who, who, who pastors that church, had to quickly make a decision because wh- when they walked into the place they were at, there were two people there employed by the government sitting there uh, saying, uh, uh, where is your passport? Right? So you had to make a quick decision. If one is not able to go, then all of us don't. We'll find another place. And quickly they made a decision and they met somewhere else. And it was their best attendance by far. Amen. And people got saved. God can do anything. God, because it's a matter of principle. It's a matter of godly conviction. That we understand we are here to win a nation. Amen. Amen. Okay. And then I couldn't care less what people decide about having it or not. That's not my issue. My issue is that we will win this nation for Christ and that we have, have to have a conviction in our hearts and in our minds and say, no, we're going to stand together because if one hurts, we all hurt. Amen. If one with it is without food, then we're all without food. That's the way the Bible works. That's the way Scripture is. And I'm not saying now, now we must go hungry. I'm saying that when one is under pressure, we stand together and we pray, we believe God. Amen. I know it may be uh, very challenging and confrontational, but I have to teach Scripture. I have to teach the, 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 the principles and the, 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 the thought of Scripture and of the church. Because the whole generation was willing to sell their freedom for garlic and onions. Amen. I spoke with a guy yesterday. He said to me they were in Austria for a, for a number of years, and I think he may be Austrian. But, but, he, but he, said, he said when he got and he started working there, um, he saw on his salary that 10% was deducted, a tithe was deducted that went to a particular church without his approval. And when he said he started to, to say, what is this? He found out that there were laws that were passed in the 1930s and 40s under Hitler who said to the Austrian church, if you back me up, I'll make sure you get money. That law was never rescinded. So we don't sell our soul as a church. Amen? Do you understand the ramifications of things? That's why we have to say to ourselves, we be well able. We say, Pastor, we don't want to talk about these things. No, we have to talk about these things. We have to, because part of the propaganda that Hitler used was a picture of, of, uh, of uh, uh, who was it, 
Hmm? Martin Luther, Martin Luther, the reformer, 1512, who brought about, who God used him to bring uh, 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 the, the Renaissance where the shift started to take place. 1512, that salvation came by faith, amen, not of works. So they would put a picture of Martin Luther and then uh, and then a wording of, of, of Hitler's words and saying, with Luther and the, the Nazi party, it's the only way we can survive. And the church bought into that. Now, this is history. You can go look at it because I checked it out this morning very early. It was part of the propaganda that the church is okay with this. Amen? And that's why it's easy for the 10 spies to say, we be not, be not, we be not able. And we can be like that and say, well, you know, we, there's no point in praying for revival. Let's just try and survive. And I suppose the church in, in Germany thought the same thing. Well, let's just try and survive. Eventually, they started to, to, to create a discriminatory practice that eventually, that even if your parents were Jewish or they were of Jewish descent and they were Christians for however many years, they were no longer allowed in the church because they had Jewish blood inside them. Amen. Do you understand how this works? That's why we have to say, God, I be well able. We are here for revival for one thing only. We are not here for the narrative of the world. We are not here for the political realm of the world. We are not here for them. We are here. The church exists for one thing, and that is to display the love of God to a lost and a dying world, whatever their medical status is, whatever their condition is. Amen. You know, when we did Jesus nights, there were some men there that they came up for salvation, dirty, smelly, and I, and I realized, and, and I just went to some of them and I just held them and I hugged them. Now that's anathema to most people now because you're going to get sick. Oh, well, excuse me. Those, those men had probably never had a, a hug from any man, any father in the last 50 years. Amen. And when I hugged him, they just started to weep and to squeeze me and help me. And sure, the, 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 the snot and the tears were all of me, and that's okay. Because I can wipe it off. But I'm not willing to submit to stuff that says we cannot help people and bring healing to a nation. Amen. We cannot. We will not. We will not. We cannot. Amen. So why don't I preach that? Because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out some things. Amen. Verse 32 of Daniel, of, of uh, uh, verse 32, let's continue. And I preach this because this is important to begin to shift our thinking. So we don't want to get caught up in, in the world thing because there's a lot of lunacy out there everywhere. We have to come back. Why does the church exist? Who are we? That's why I talk about these things very candidly and openly and frankly. Because if we do not think about these things, then how do we be the salt and the light of the earth? How do we bring healing to the nations? How do we be those people that say we be well able? How do we be those people that say we are here to love people unconditionally? The marginalized. Or do we become like people 
in the time of Jesus, where if you had leprosy, you had to walk around shouting, unclean, unclean, unclean. Yet it was Jesus who touched the leper and healed the leper. It says, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report, verse 32, in which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the peoples whom we saw are men of great stature. So what they were saying, look, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. You don't want to even go there, pastor. You don't want to talk about these things because it's hard. Because I know if I talk about these things, I become a target, and that's okay. Amen. My life is not my own belongs to Jesus. Amen. And Paul the Apostle says, look, you know, I'd love to be with him. The only reason why I'm staying here is because it's more beneficial for you. That's what he says. Amen. The Christian cannot lose. Amen. Amen. And verse 33 says, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Yes, the, the, the translation of that simply is because they saw themselves as weak and insipid and grasshoppers. The people that they were fighting against, who at one time thought they were superior because God was with them, they began to realize these people see themselves as insignificant as grasshoppers, so they started to treat them like that. How you see yourself in God's eyes. How you see yourself in who you are as a Christian, is how, exactly how the devil will treat you. You're not a grasshopper. We are not grasshoppers. We are giant slayers. We are here to bring healing to a nation. We are here to bring hope. We are here to bring salt. We are here to bring light. That's why we exist. That's why the church exists. It's good news. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's why the church is this amazing uh, 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 body of Christ that is even able to pray for governments who they don't even agree with. They can pray for people. They pray. That's why we pray for people. We pray because we know the power of of prayer. We know that when we really intercede on behalf of a nation, God really does. It's a fact. We can pray for people who persecute us. We can pray for people who do these things. Why? Because we understand the power of the gospel. Amen. Come on. Whose report will you believe? So don't run. Don't hide. Don't, don't, don't duck. This is the gospel. God's calling us to a different place. So let's go, let's go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. So why do I say this? Because ultimately, when you understand that we are a people that says we be well able, then anything is possible. Because then you start to pray with a different type of authority. You start to pray with a different focus. You begin to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not praying for the next pair of shoes, although if you need shoes, there's no problem in pr praying for that, but we start to pray, the presence of heaven come down on earth. The rule and reign of Jesus Christ come on the earth whilst we are here. Amen. So let's see what Paul says. So Paul, the apostle, and because he understands us that we are well able. Amen. And he says to the church in Colossians, pray for open doors. Colossians 4 verse 2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying for us that God would open 
opened to us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So I'm telling you right now, when you understand that we be well able, that we are giant slayers, then we can start praying for doors to open. Amen. Paul the Apostle says, pray that the doors open, that we can preach Christ. Come on. I want you to start praying that this week, God, give us open doors to preach the gospel. Give us open doors in the medical fraternity. Give us open doors in the police. Give us open doors in the army. Give us open doors everywhere, God, that we may preach the gospel. Amen. We thank God for our doctors in the church. We thank God for our nurses. We thank God for our policemen in the church. We thank God for them, and we pray for them. We stand with them, and we say, God, give us open doors to bring the light of Jesus and the love of Christ to a lost and dying world. We pray for the open doors. We thank God for the engineers in the church. We pray, God, use us in the camps when we fly in and fly out. God, use us. Give us open doors to preach the gospel. We've got to start praying on a different level. Amen. We've got to start praying that we be well able. We can turn this world upside down. We can turn those camps, fly in and fly out camps upside down by the power of the gospel. I believe that. We be well able. We be well able. We start praying for our premier. God, bring him to salvation. We start praying, God, will you touch him and his family? Will you touch his children? Will you save them, oh God? Come on, we got to start praying for open doors. It's a we be well able attitude. Amen. I thank God for our nation. I thank God. I thank God for everything. And whilst I thank God for everything, I know that God has got us here for a reason. But let's not get lost in what is happening and understand our true purpose. Amen. We have to believe for open doors. Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 to 14 says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, put the scripture up, please. When I came to Troas, because I want you to get this, we'll just wait. Amen. I'll just smile. Amen. Okay, is it up? No. Let me read it. Can somebody let me know what's happening there? Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. I love that. Listen. Here's the thing. The churches were praying for open doors, but in the, and then it also says that God opened a door. God can open a door for you this week in business. God can open a door for you this week in your family. He can open up a door for you in your finances. He can open up a door for you to preach the gospel. He can open up a door for you. It says that God opened a door for me. God opened a door for me. So when we live with a we be well able attitude, we live with a sense of expectation that God is with me. God opens doors. Amen. God is with me, God opens doors. Come on, put your hand on your heart and say this after me. Say, God is with me and God will open doors. Amen. 
God will open doors for you. God will show you things. God will show you things to come. He will open up doors in your life for a purpose, for a reason. God wants to open up a door for you. Come on, somebody say amen. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. It says, Revelation 3, verse 7 and 8. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, who is true. He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and he who shuts and no one opens. So when we have this expectation and we operate in a we be well able mentality and mindset and faith, we understand that God can open up doors. And when God shuts a door, no one can open it. So the devil may be attacking you through a door that's open in your life. Allow God to shut it. The devil may be attacking you in your business uh, through an open door. Shut the door. God can shut the door that no one can open. And God will open up doors for you that no one can close. I don't care what people say. If we are concerned about what people say, then we miss those open doors. We miss them. So don't be surprised if you're praying for open doors that there will be resistance. Because what, what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, he says, for a great and effective door, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, he says, a great and effective door has been opened unto me. So Paul the Apostle says there's a great door, it's an amazing door, it's an effective door, it's a powerful door, it's, it's glorious, but he says, but there are many adversaries, come on. And so a door may be opened to you, but if a door opens to you and there are adversaries and there's pushback and kickback, don't worry about that, that's normal. Because sometimes we, we walk through an open door and we wonder why there's resistance. I know that sometimes just preaching the gospel and talking about things, I get kicked back and I get pushed back from the enemy. It's okay. Amen. I mean, surely we come to a point in our lives as Christians, especially as we mature in God, that it's not a big deal, that we just continue. We know it's normal for the devil to kick back and push back and shout and scream and sometimes use people. Uh, it doesn't matter. And you know, and if, and if the devil uses people, your greatest weapon against people is mercy that triumphs over judgment, is forgiveness and blessing. It's your greatest weapon. Your greatest weapon. Amen. It's easy. God will use anyone to open doors and don't limit him. You know, he can use anyone. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1, the most, one of the most interesting scriptures and times in the Bible. It says here, Isaiah saying, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and to loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. So God says, I'm taking Cyrus, who we know if you ever watch the movie 300, anyone ever watch it? None of you, you're all sanctified. All right. But you understand that, that those guys were ruthless, idol worshippers, they were ruthless heathens. But God says, Cyrus... I'm going to use him, and he actually calls him my anointed one. Now, not every ruler is anointed by God to do certain things. But when we understand the power of God and the we be well able mindset, then we know that God can use anybody to open up doors. 
And that's the mindset the church has to go into, in with and live with. God, nothing's going to stop us. Nothing's going to stop your church. Nothing is going to stop us. God, yes, it may be difficult. There may be adversaries against me. There may be enemies and pressure. But God, I know that nothing's going to stop us. Amen. So here's what happened. Cyrus, the Bible says that God used him to subdue nations, loose the armor of kings, and to open before him double doors so that the gates will not be shut. Here's what happens. Is that 200 years before Cyrus was born or was in power, 200 years, Isaiah has this prophecy. 200 years. Listen, there are people that are not even alive today that have prayed for you. There are people that birthed this nation that, 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 that wherever they came from that were not alive. In, and I'm not talking about in the 1700s, not even talking about prior to that. I'm just saying even 100 years ago, there are people that prayed for you. When Christians came here, there were people that prayed for you who were long dead, who prayed for the day and the time such as this to open up doors. Because God is not going to lose. A lot of people think, well, what do we do now? God has already got the answer. We have to shift our minds and start to understand that this is a different mindset, a different game that we're playing in this 21st century. So he says, 200 years before he was even born or even ruled, I'm going to use him and he even names him. This was at the time of Daniel, 200 years before it happened. God gives the name and exactly what He's going to do. Because the people of God under that time were under bondage. They were under captivity. And God says, 200 years prior, I'm going to use a man called Cyrus, who's a king. I'm going to anoint him to let my people go, to open up doors for them, to bless them. Come on. God, God can use anyone. God can use any heathen politician in this nation to turn things around. If we just have a different mindset and say, God, we're not going to back off. Sure, there are things that concern us, but God, we're going to go into a different mindset and understand that you have already prepared an answer for us a long time ago, long before we even knew that we were going to be in this, long before anybody ever thought about this day and age. Somebody prayed for us. Somebody declared. Somebody was into seeding for you and I. Amen. We were destined to be here. Somebody prayed for you. And God says that in 200 years, there's a man coming called Cyrus who will open up double doors. So how do you know somebody never prayed 100 years ago for you and for us? For God to open up double doors. Amen. So we're going to have to walk out of here and say, God, we're expecting great things. There's got to be this expectation that we be well able. We've got to have this expectation that God can work in every area of this nation. And that people can come to know Jesus. That people can come to know Christ. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. You see, at that time, when Cyrus was ruling and reigning, Daniel, the prophet, was alive. And Daniel was under Nebuchadnezzar, and they were in captivity. And then later on, Cyrus became king 
for about three years. And it was in that time that Daniel would have gone to Cyrus and said, yeah, is the book of Isaiah. Speaks of you. You have a job. No matter how heathen you are. God can do anything with anyone. Paul the Apostle, well, he was Saul at the time, persecuted the church. He consented to people's death. But God saved him. So I'm asking us as a church that we begin to shift our focus and strategy and say, Lord, there are double doors opening in this nation for us, for the whole nation, for revival, for revival. We've got to keep on praying. Because it's in, even in Babylon that Daniel receives some of the greatest visions pertaining to the future. It's in this time that God can give you the greatest revelation you've ever had. It's in this time that God will do the greatest things that we never thought possible. It's in this time. But we have to have this expectation of open doors. The bank can come up. This expectation of open doors. I have a lot to minister, but I'll continue next week. Because we have to understand that God is not limited. That's why it's so important to understand the Bible. God has given it to us for us to learn that what we're going through right now is not new. And the church has never lost. It cannot lose. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So even in our darkest days, God will open up double doors. God will loose the armor of kings. God will open up opportunities for you. I, I'm just so amazed. There are many people that have lost their jobs and everywhere I'm hearing people, I heard again last night and I heard this week, people, God just opened up opportunities and jobs. They're actually earning more than they've ever earned. I'll tell you what, God, there's nothing that can stop God. If we just have this expectation, God, I be well able, we be well able, the doors will open for us and we're not gonna back down. We can never back down. We can never get to the place and say, well, they're stronger than we, within us. This is just too difficult. Uh, I, I just cannot do this any longer. Uh, uh, I, I cannot. We are not able. We are not able. No, we be well able. We be well able. Amen. We be well able. Because ultimately, it's, it's uh, the apostle that says to God, he says in the book of Corinthians, Lord, this is too difficult for me. He said that. He said, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. And God comes to, to, to Paul and he says, my grace is enough for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul the apostle says, he says, and when, he, when God spoke that to him, he said, most gladly, I will, I will glory and I will boast about my weaknesses because when I am weak, then I am strong. It's in our need that we call upon God and say, God, we need you to step into our lives. We need you to step into our nation. We need you to step into the city. We need you to step into the state. We need you to step into politicians' lives. We need you to step into the church. The church surely needs God to step in in this time. 
surely it needs God more than ever. All over the city, the church needs Jesus. We cannot just pray just for another good service. We've got to pray for revival, that when people go, there's revival in their hearts, that when they go to work, wherever they go, they go to uni, they go to school, there's revival that burns in their hearts because there's something different inside of them, amen, that we be a people who turn the world upside down. We can say, Lord, even when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because ultimately that's what the two spies said. Because they knew that the people were bigger than them. Right? But they knew when I'm weak, His strength is perfected in me. When I know I cannot do it in my own ability, His strength is perfected in me. And there's nothing wrong with using your ability. Nothing wrong with it. Do all that you can do. But when you've come to the end of your ability, you have to go to God and say, God, I've done all I can do. I've stepped out in faith. I've done everything I can do. And God, so I'm asking you in my weakness, will you show yourself strong? Will you show yourself strong? That's why the Daniel writes in the book of Daniel, the people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. The people that know their God, the people that are intimate with their God, the people that have a relationship with God shall be strong and they shall do great exploits. He's writing that from Babylon while he's in captivity, amen. While, while they are after him, when they lock him up in the lion's den because he will not bow to Nebuchadnezzar. He will not bow to the, the, the system of the world. They lock him up. But he says the people that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. That's the people that God is raising up. So I want you to say that. Let's stand to our feet this morning and say, God, we be well able. I be well able. I be well able. I be well able. I be well able. We be well able, God. We be well able. Oh, God can do anything. God can do anything. God can do anything. We shall believe the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? I preach this morning not for a good sermon, but to stir your faith. To maybe shift you and maybe in some things there may be a lot of discomfort. But I'd rather us be uncomfortable now and be ready for God when He steps in. Because I know God's about to step in. In 2017, God said to me, I was in April 2017, He said to me, and you know, uh, things do take longer than we anticipate. Because God takes, we, we need time sometimes. But I believe the church He's getting ready for God. There's a hunger for God. God said to me as I was praying one day, He said to me, set your house in order. I'm coming to visit. Set your house in order. I'm coming to visit. And I knew God was talking about the church. It wasn't long. I'd been here probably a year and a half. God said to me, set your house in order. I'm coming to visit. I tell you what, it just takes a heart shift, a mind shift that says, Jesus, we're hungry for you and we be well able. So whatever the enemy has been sowing in your life that tells you you don't have a future, 
I'm telling you now by the word of the Lord, we be well able. When you don't know what to do, I'm telling you now by the word of the Lord, we be well able. When you think there is no future, I'm telling you now by the word of the Lord, we be well able. Amen. You say it's too difficult. No, we be well able. You be well able. You be well able. Because if God be for you, then who can be against you? If God is on your side, it doesn't matter who comes against you. God will make sure that you stand. And here's the deal, and I say this often. I've said this a lot. We cannot lose. You just cannot lose. What are they going to take from you? What are they going to take from you? Your life? Well, you cannot lose. What are people going to take from you? What is there that you can lose? And sure, nobody likes to lose things. But Jesus is before everything. Jesus said, what if you gain the whole world? He said, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? What does it profit us if we have everything, but we lose the essence of God? of who God is, of who Jesus is in our life. Lord, we just worship you this morning. We worship you, God. Jesus, will you come by your Spirit and shape our hearts and our minds, even the thoughts that rage against you. Even the thoughts that say, we be not able. Father, will you come by your Spirit and speak to every heart, every mind, every soul. Your children, God. We are yours. We are yours, O oh God. We are yours. Jesus, 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 we love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, come on right there where you are. Just recommit to Jesus this morning. Just recommit. We all need to. I need to. Just come back to our focus on who Jesus is, who has believed our report. And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's to us. It's to us. We believe the report of the Lord. We believe the report of the Lord. We believe that Jesus is Lord. We believe that He's King. We believe there is no one other than Him. And Lord, we thank You that You've chosen us for this day and this hour and this time. We worship You, Jesus. 